Welcome to another topical episode of Board Game with Education. That's where we really talk about one specific topic centered around games and education. Today's episode, we talk about the environment and games and how we can use games to inspire environmental action. We give some specific examples of games out there that do this already, and we talk about the impact the games have on our environment. Be sure to stick around for that. And before we get into the episode, we have our holiday promotion going on right now. Today is the last day, actually, Monday, November 30th. But don't worry, if you missed your chance for our flash sale, soon we will have another holiday promotion. Be sure to go to boardgamewitheducation.com and sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on our last holiday promotion before Christmas. So again, boardgamewitheducation.com, sign up for our email newsletter and you'll find information on that promotion too. All right, let's get to the episode. Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Welcome to another topical discussion episode of Board Game with Education. Today, I am joined again by Rich. A lot of you know Rich. He's on several other episodes. Rich, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to this one, as all of them, especially this one. <laughs> today, today, we're joined by Clayton Whittle. I'm going to have a little conversation with him about games and environmental action. And I mentioned to him, this is a very new topic to me. I guess I wouldn't say new. I mean, we grew up like, remember to turn off the water fountain when you're brushing your teeth and... um. Mm things like that, right, growing up. but I used, to, I used to brush my teeth while I was showering. That's what they told us. Oh, really? Man, that must be yeah. East Coast public service <laughs> announcements for <laughs> conserving water. Innovative. Yeah. I mean, in California, like, it's crazy how much they, in the last few years, how much they've pushed to save water, like, on and off days for watering your lawn. I think you could, I think you even had to go a certain length without watering your lawn. But anyways, that's what, hmm. that's what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, Rich, stick around. We'll Follow up our discussion with Clayton after. Sounds good. Before we get into the conversation with Clayton, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Board Gaming with Education is sponsored by The World Game, a fun and educational geography board game. Exciting and fast-playing game for everyone. It is on Kickstarter right now. I highly recommend checking it out. I know I will be backing it because it makes for a great, fun, educational game that everyone can play as well as an amazing classroom resource. As you explore the different cities, countries, flags, you're doing it on this really cool colorful board that comes with the entire world map. Again, it's on Kickstarter, so you're gonna have to go on to Kickstarter, check it out for yourself. The link will be in the show notes. And again, that's the world game on Kickstarter. So, Rich and I kind of introduced the topic of our episode today, and I'm here now with Clayton. I'm really excited to chat with him because we're going to talk about using games to inspire environmental action. And Clayton is a game researcher and game designer, and he's going to share a bit about this topic, and we're going to dive into this conversation. And like I mentioned to him before this, before we hopped on the call, is I'm not very familiar with this topic, so I'm excited to chat with him today. Before we get there, Clayton, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit more to our guests? Sure. Uh, so I'm Clayton Whittle. I was, for a long time, uh, a, a dirty, dirty corporate 
person doing all sorts of work that I wasn't really happy with. And uh, I got uh, into game design while I was in that life and released a couple indie games, none of which made any money, but I fell in love with it and started doing uh, games research because I was always, uh, I always had this dream of doing a PhD and I moved from the corporate life into a PhD recently. And I am now uh, really applying the, the design elements into my knowledge, my existing knowledge of environmental psychology and environmental action. That's awesome. And I'm excited again, thank you for coming on the show. Cause I'm excited to talk to you about this topic. I am again, I'm not very familiar. I think we all have a basic understanding of environmental action, but it's really awesome to have someone share a little bit more of an expertise on the topic. Before we kind of get into discussing it more, can we start with defining both what you see as a game and then also defining environmental action? Ooh, okay, yeah, we can do that. That's a heavy question right <laughs> out of the gate. I see as a game, I think I keep a pretty standard view of what a game is. I think a game is anytime you engage in in play, at, at which point the the goal is enjoyment and there is there is only pressure put on your the outcome by the players. Uh, so there's not external pressure to succeed and there's no guarantee of success. And so I think that's a that's a pretty basic definition of a game because I like to the every time I think I know what a game is, someone releases some indie game that makes me think, no, my definition needs to expand because this is definitely a game and I wouldn't have counted this beforehand. So right. I guess I guess my definition is expanding. It's ever shrinking because the the less the fewer words I have in it, the more open it is. <laughs> right, right. And how about environmental action? So from my perspective, I think environmental action, when I think of it as a designer and when I think of it in relation to the goals of my research, I think people doing the things that are realistic in their day-to-day -day life and growing as responsible environmental citizens, um, not just doing the things that the public service announcements uh, tell us to do. So that's what I think of when I think of environmental action. Right. Maybe that I kind of before I want to go back to the definition of game, but what you just said about doing things beyond the public service announcements, that's kind of our base level expectation of what a good citizen is right doing those basic things to conserve energy to protect the environment yeah and i think that's that's what a lot of my research is aimed at is raising awareness of we don't get education on what it means to be a good environmental steward and we all are environmental stewards and while you might take you know eight years of state history or whatever in public school they don't teach a lot of classes on how all of your actions impact the environment and are impacted by your environment. And what we have is an entire generation of people who, who know they should recycle and know that they, you don't leave the lights on when you leave the room and you don't you know, crank it down to 50 in the middle of the summer. But beyond that, there's no formal education, right? That's what the, the public service announcements say on TV. And so people generally try to do that in my experience. But beyond that, how could you be expected to spend 
you know, half your day researching what actions you should take and the other half doing those when, when you're going to live your life. Right. Right. And it's really interesting. The first thing you defined or what you defined in a game is there's no external pressure to succeed, which is a very opposite, at least my understanding of environmental action, right? We have a very dire <laughs> pressure to succeed when it comes to protecting our environment and, you know, saving keeping the world around for a while and keeping those energy reserves around for a while. So what would you say like are some things that just right off the bat, things we can do to be good stewards that the public service announcements or things we don't necessarily learn in school or some things we could do? Oh, geez, just right off the bat, day-to-day things. I think I think probably the most important thing that anyone can do if they if they already feel like they they want to be a good environmental citizen, the most important thing you can do is actually research how recycling works in your town, because ninety percent of I mean that's I pulled that number out of thin air I'm sorry but a lot of towns and townships that are anywhere outside of a major city they tell you to recycle and they give you like a box and say put your recycling in here. But then what is and isn't actually recyclable is never really explained. And what they don't tell you is that when there are above a baseline of contaminants, meaning things that aren't actually recyclable in that recycling bin, it gets dumped into the landfill. And so if too many people put the wrong kind of plastic in their recycling, what you end up with is everyone's recycling becoming garbage and the whole thing was worth nothing. Right. I had learned that myself having lived abroad because in both Korea and Taiwan, they do recycling and I guess garbage differently. In Taiwan, what was really interesting is they used to be called quote unquote trash island because they had such a huge issue with landfills and not being able to find places to store garbage. So now what they do is they they make you pay for the garbage bags that you throw waste away in. So to incentivize you to recycle more, you don't have to pay for those type of bags. So it's like, a, I guess, a trash, trash collection tax. And then everyone goes out and takes out their trash. This might be something interesting that you maybe talk about in using games to inspire environmental action where everyone goes out to take out the trash as a neighborhood. You have to go out to the neighborhood and you see your neighbors, you see who's recycling, you see who's throwing away the trash properly, you see who's sorting the, the right garbage into the right bins. And it's very much of a social uh, pressure to recycle too. Uh, that's fun. I like that. I, I really like that because it's a social pressure. And there have been, there's a really awesome article by Dr. Joey Lee uh, at is he at, I can't remember if he's at Columbia or Brigham Young. I think he's at Columbia um, that investigates social peer pressure and positive peer pressure in environmental behaviors. And there have been a lot of findings that say that's a really, really big part of it. And it ties in a lot of my work because what I do is I investigate what, what they call community or I'm sorry, not community, communal uh, self-efficacy. So the, uh, the idea that not only do I feel pressured when I see other people doing it, I see like my actions matter because I'm not the only one. I'm part of a group of people working towards this. 
Well, I was going to say also totally unrelated. Dustin, you lived in Korea. So did I. Oh, really? (laughs) Where did you live? That's awesome. We'll have to, um, let's see, Daegu. uh, No. What what neighborhood? Uh, Chilgo. Okay. Okay, man, that's pretty funny. Did you live in Daegu? (laughs) Yes, I did. I lived lived in Daegu for two years, and then I lived in in Chunan for five years. Okay, what years were you in? Because if we're in the same years, I'm assuming we know some people. I was in Daegu in 2010. Okay, yeah, I was there 2010 to 20, no, 2011 to 2012. So we were in Daegu at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. We geek out a little bit here in this part of the episode talking about living in Korea. So we're going to skip ahead into and get back into our conversation about environmental action and games. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. We're podcasting, not just hanging yeah. out. <laughs> so what would you define as an environmental game that inspires action? What, what would that look like, I guess? Hmm. There, are a lot, there are a lot of different ways that that could look, right? I think if I had to break it down to core elements, though, these are almost more like behavioral transference elements. Someone who's playing a game and is going to actually have their world affected by it needs to engage with the content of the game on a meaningful level. They have to have it relate to their life. They have to feel invested in it, right? So that's that's the first step is there has to be serious buy-in. The second step is that, and this is the thing that uh, I argue with people a lot about, there's a big difference between game learning or game-based learning and gamification. If, if someone's learning or someone's being asked to go learn a thing and then you get some points, that's gamification, right? Like that's like Fitbit or any of the other millions of apps that you can buy that give you points for doing a thing. But if someone's really going to learn to act based on a game, it needs to be intrinsically integrated, meaning the the actions and the skills and the knowledge that you need in the real world, you actually have to employ within the game. Um, And that can be highly complex sort of systems thinking about how your, uh, how your environment is affected by the different systems. And there are games out there that do that, that encourage you to think about uh, systematic changes, or it could be, you know, needing to actually, go around measuring the the output of the electrical output of devices in your house is a really cute little game by uh, Michael Horn and uh, Eric Banerjee. I can't remember his first name. Banerjee, B-A-N-A-R-J-E-E, I believe. The game is called Ghost Hunter and you hook up an EMF detector to your phone and obviously it's not for mass usage, right? But it's gamified inspecting of your home to understand what you're doing in the real world. And I think that's, those are games that inspire action, right? You have to use the skills and you need to have serious buy-in to the content. It needs to feel relevant. It's perfect. And then I know, I'm trying to remember, I think back in school, or maybe I saw another teacher do this and I'm mixing up my experience with a teacher who did this where they ask the students to go back to your home and check your your 
electricity dial, I'm not sure the correct term for it, and measure that and report back to your teacher how it looks most nights and then like try to see how low you can make it to by conserving different types of energy by unplugging things that are what do they call those like a vampire vampire electronics or something where you have them plugged in and they take energy even though they're not actually on so with this i guess the game that you mentioned is that something that you could see being used if someone's listening maybe they're a science teacher that they could use in the classroom with their students I don't believe they ever released Ghost Hunter for uh, for public usage. I think it was a a research project, and there there might be that they eventually released some derivative of that. But I, if they did, I don't know about it. Unfortunately. Cool. I mean, I guess the the research is out there, so maybe you could kind of read that research and see how you can modify something similar to. Yeah, I think I think it would be easier because more and more they make the modular devices for iPhones or Android phones that allow you to attach things a lot more affordably. And so, and that's, that's kind of the thing that makes it fun, right? Is that students are, they're not just playing, they're not just playing a game. They're playing a game that involves doing something very real, right? If you're, you know, scanning, scanning with an EMF, or if you're going down to the nearest river and using a modular plugin on your device to monitor the uh, chemical chemical spill off or life forms in the river. You're doing real skills, right? And I think that's the thing about the game based learning that a lot of people sort of scoot over, right? They get really focused on how can I make it a game rather than it's kind of already a game. And a lot of these skills are all you really need to do is is inspire the playful element of it to bring it into uh, to bring it into the games based learning field right that that language and that theme and the story those types of things are ways to uh, I want to say layer games on top of what what's already happening what may already be considered close to a game yeah yeah and I man I saw this beautiful video on reddit the other day and this is this is kind of getting theoretical at this point right this is very high theory but this is beautiful it was in syria uh this a video of this dad and his daughter and every time a bomb would fall the dad would laugh really big to get his daughter to laugh so that she wasn't scared uh it's this older video not syria i'm i think the video said syria but that doesn't make any sense anyway anyway and the you know, it occurs to me, is that game-based learning? Is this, is this, I know this is very high theory at this point, but is this girl engaging in the playful game with her dad to, to learn a behavior of sort of accepting that this is the world or this is how it's going or to, to learn to not be afraid. And I know that's not something that a teacher could really use, but not at that level. But I think that theory applies, right? Is, to make it a game-based learning experience, one starts with the goal and then moves to how can we, how can this be playful? How can this be fun rather than something that's impending or scary or requires some sort of external, external need for you to want to complete it? Right. And I guess 
looking at that versus, and this is something that is, I think, tough to consider, tough to understand, maybe tough to connect, I don't know, but between that experience where it's a reality for someone and that's the world they're living in versus our uh, our climate change is a reality, but it's not, I guess, um, what do I want to say? Like, it's not current. It's not affecting us right now. It's not something that we see tangibly in front of us as an issue because it doesn't affect our day-to-day life. What would you say is, or how would you say games help with bridging that gap for stewards of the environment? Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways, I'd say. Um, in some of that involves messages inside the games. Uh, some of that involves the, you know, there there are really specific games that are designed to teach those kind of elements. I think in the, I think in the near future, what we'll see is a lot of that in the industry because the industry is sort of at this, the, the video game industry is at this, this place where they're needing to really start considering their environmental impact what with you know, cloud-based gaming and the real just energy hogs that these new consoles are. And I actually just got off a call with the leader of the independent uh, game developers association climate special interest group. And a lot of their upcoming work is about bridging that gap between players understanding the impact that playing video games has on the environment and companies understanding the impact so that they can meet in the middle and find a solution that is environmentally friendly. Yeah. I think, I think honestly that'll, that will be in the video game industry at least where the, like the, the next really big steps start happening because they're motivated and let's be honest, the video game industry has enough money that they can they can throw it around, right? Yeah. I mean, one one experience that I like to compare the video game industry versus the board game industry is going to Taipei Game Show, which is a huge like game festival where the video game hall was like this entire convention center. And then the board game hall was this little off-centered, like, separate area that was a lot smaller. And still, there were video games there. (laughs) But you bring up a good point. I think uh, considering the impact that games have on the environment, I know that board games are kind of, I mean, I think usually it's the independent game designers and game publishers that are trying to make strides towards being more energy conscious on the types of materials they use for games and things like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, more, do you see the video game industry or board game industry, just gaming industry in general, making changes to what they do and how they do it to protect, uh, I guess our environment. I think, man, and this is just, this is kind of what it comes down to. And this is what really, not a technical term, but this sucks is, is the truth yeah. is that the real change, real impactful change is systematic change, right? Impactful change comes when the system changes, but with something like games, there's no vote, right? You don't get to go out and choose a CEO for your company unless you're a shareholder 
and you don't get to vote on what materials a game maker can use in their physical game. And it, what's rough is that it really it's consumer behavior is how you get to make that impact. And and that's that's a really hard space. Games, gamers buying games, there is not a lot that people can do to support them. There are people who are taking actions like a Untitled Goose Game. When they shipped the physical copy, they they shipped that in a recyclable game box, which is the first time anyone's ever done that. And so, you know, really all we can do is as as consumers, all you can do is vote with your dollar, right? And you say, I'm not gonna do that despite the fact that I want it. I'm not gonna buy it. And or contact the people who make it and say, I really wish you could I hope this upcoming game you'll consider this. And I know those are huge, huge asks of people. And that's you know, that's the biggest struggle in in what what my research focuses on because eventually at the end of the day you're asking people to make a sacrifice sometimes it's a little sacrifices but a lot more often it's a big big sacrifice uh, for as you said a pressure that feels pretty distant from your day-to-day life right well let's let's talk about that let's look at how games so it's kind of interesting how we can use games to inspire change in the gaming industry, but it is a broader, you know, more broader goal in the environment. What are some things we can do with games to help with that? Let me let me answer your question with a question. When you first were conceptualizing this question, are you thinking about board games, video games, games that we play, games that we make, games that we use in classes? I'm just curious, like, because there are a million answers to this. I'm curious where you are seeing this going because I'd like to hear your answer as well. Right. I guess maybe I'm thinking more from the perspective of what we can do as individuals, whether it's not what we can do as individuals, but how games can help us as individuals see the impacts that we can make to the environment, whether that's just our day-to-day changes or what we do as game designers or what we do as educators or what we do as people who play games how how games can can make an impact and i think when i think of the the biggest impact that games can have it's that and this is a this is a nut to crack so i'm not going to pretend like i can just do this. i can tell you the answer to how to make this happen but when we can make games and when and I'm sure people are out there doing it, but when we engage with games that create awareness about our surroundings, uh, that create a... Okay, well, I'll just be psychometric about it real, real fast. So the environmental psychology behind it, right, is that if you want someone to be... Uh, if someone wants to be a good citizen, a good environmental citizen, right, you usually have this sort of Maltov cocktail of personality traits and uh, psychometric things required, right? And the first is that they have some sort of connection to nature. It's a huge aspect of it. People have to see themselves as connected to nature, not in a tree-hugging hippie way, but they have to understand that 
their life and the life of the world around them are intimately connected and that their actions affect the environment and the environment affects them. So that's the first thing. And then they need to have uh, an intent, right? So from that connection is born an intent to behave more environmentally friendly in a more environmentally friendly manner. From there, after the intent, they need to have awareness of the issues near them. They need to have a perceived self-efficacy, meaning uh, kind of like we we're talking about with the trash people, you need to see, not, not the trash people, that's a, sounds mean, but uh, you need to feel like you're making a difference. You need to see yourself as a powerful actor and you need what they call uh, action-related knowledge. And in, in environmental psychology, it's called action knowledge. In uh, the learning sciences or the cognitive sciences, they refer to it as procedural knowledge. But the idea is that you need to not just know what, you need to know how, if that makes any sense. Like I, I could tell you, consuming too much energy in your home is bad. And you go, okay, great. I could go tell that to a ch to someone else, but what does that help me do? Whereas if through a game, and this is where I think games can really help, is if through a game I can relay that information to you in a way that gives you the skill set and gives you the action-related knowledge of these are the things in your house that are draining too much energy, these are the things in your house that could be unplugged. This is how much uh, energy is being wasted in your house. And I know we're, I'm kind of focusing on this energy example because we got on it early and now I'm just sort of stuck there. Um, but I think that's where games can help is really in the action related knowledge because to play a game, when you play a game, you are learning a set of action-related knowledge principles because if you don't, you can't play the game, right? You're learning a UI and you're learning a rule set and you're learning how to interact in this new world. And so games already teach that just by nature of, just by the nature of games. And so all we need to do is learn to build games and figure out how to build games that are both engaging uh, so that people actually want to play them and B, teach these action related skills so that people can go out and, and do rather than just knowing that they really should be better about their environmental behaviors, but not knowing how that was a rant, my man, that was like a five minute answer. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was good because I think it helps to look at those stages of coming to I don't know if I want to say coming to terms, but understanding that this is what we need to be able to actually influence change and help in our day-to-day -day thoughts or in our day-to-day -day actions of how we can preserve the environment. And I'm thinking through a game, maybe we talked about the one where you can go measure how much energy a certain device uses, or you can look at energy throughout the week. And I think that shows the awareness and actually maybe helps us look at some action related knowledge as to well these uh, electronics maybe we can unplug those or maybe we can i don't know it's it's hard for me to think because i'm not maybe i'm not the best environmental steward um we cannot watch tv certain times certain hours or 
um, I don't know, I guess I need the, the awareness of what kind of changes I could do to be able to create those action-related steps. Do you have an example of maybe another game or experience that could help with those? I guess you laid out five steps, the connection um, to the connection to nature, intent, awareness, self-efficacy, and then our action-related knowledge of it. Do you have an example of a game or maybe experience that could help someone walk through that progress? There are games. uh, So Aris, A-R-I-S, is a game that came out of, I believe, the University of Wisconsin in Madison, their serious games lab, or or at least some students of it that are still in Milwaukee. I know it's in, uh, or not, uh, not Milwaukee, Madison, excuse me. Um, so Aris is a great one that uses um, augmented reality. And while it's not necessarily about uh, the environment. It's certainly something that could be used for the environment, but I think creating that connection to nature is a huge thing that the games are doing now because I can look at a tree and say, oh, okay, there's a tree. How exciting, but an augmented reality uh, game can, if I'm out there exploring the area through this game, I can look at that same tree scan the tree and learn so much about it and how I connect to that tree and how it connects to me and how it connects to the ecosystem that I rely on to survive. I think that's a, that's another really big sort of exploratory thing that games are doing that is going to be, once people are allowed to go back outside again, it's going to be really awesome. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think it, it goes back to that idea that games can can show a reality that is not currently present to us. We might not notice how the, I guess, how nature connects to our day-to-day lives and how it's really a part of our society. And a game can kind of show that to us in a simulation-type experience. Yeah, EcoMobile is the game I was trying to think of, uh, which is a it's environmental education field trip. It's more of an app, but I think it's, it's close enough to gamification that I think people would would enjoy it. And it's really about investigating the environment using using mobile devices. Um God, what is the is it Fate of the World? Is that the one I'm thinking? There is a a really awesome sort of city builder. I think it's called Fate of the World. The really awesome city builder that was about trying to manage, you know, your your classic sort of Sim City game but also climate change was happening around you in a really dramatic and drastically uh, almost cartoonish level. So you needed to constantly be aware of, uh, of your, the impact of your city on the environment and vice versa and energy zombies. That's the one I was thinking of. No, not energy zombies, super energy apocalypse. I believe that is yeah, super energy apocalypse, which was this amazing little game where you in the day you build it's a little a tower defense game in the day you build and at night the zombies come and the only way to survive is to always have enough electricity to power your defenses and so you had to manage your energy economy through an understanding of the limited resources of the world versus the limited capacity of renewable in uh, renewable energy 
And so it was a it was an energy efficiency game with zombies. That sounds pretty cool. Any game with zombies, I think, is is good in my book. <laughs> so before we move into our game and wrap up this conversation, do you have any last words that you might share with someone listening? A, whether it's maybe someone considering steps they can take to become better stewards of the environment or how they could start on this process of using games to kind of help their understanding of how or why they should become better stewards of the environment. Probably the first, the first step is always intent, right? And I think probably the best way to understand, even if you, if you don't believe in climate change, if you don't think that the environment is important, the best way to really understand um, what is going what is going on in the environment is to look into your local like parks and recreation departments, uh, local and state departments, because that's where they'll be able to give you information. And it maybe, maybe it's not a huge climate change issue. Maybe it's just that, man, that factory down the street is really violating some rules. Or maybe it's that the people who have been building their fences a little bit, too close to the road along the highway have really started to drive the deer into the highway or you you learn so many little things like though i learned one the other day that you really should never throw food on the ground even if it's biodegradable especially if you're driving because if you throw food somewhere it'll it will bring rodents which will then bring birds of prey which then get injured when they get near people, especially if they're on the highway. And so the the point is the first thing you should always do is look into the local parks and rec department, find out what's happening in your neighborhood because you'll be surprised how much it affects you. That's awesome. And some, some good final words of advice and I some things I didn't consider too is I guess looking at how construction or structures affect wildlife is very I guess something very we think oh yeah duh but then we don't really notice it as something that's really tangible yeah and I think that's that's the big the 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 big hurdle right is that it's it's sort of cliche think global act local but really if you want to feel healthy and be in a good mental health space and be a, a really awesome member of your community. Think local, act local. See what's happening in your community is different than every other community. And you'd be surprised how it affects you and how you affect it. And I guarantee you, I can't guess what's happening in what, whatever town you live in. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the little it's stuff you never think of. Yeah, it's crazy how, how much I think our day-to-day interactions affect. I mean, just thinking about, now I'm thinking about local businesses and economies, local economies and all of that. But different different podcasts, maybe the topic entirely. Yeah. yeah it's, it's weird. It's it's the little stuff, right? Like in Pennsylvania, where I live, it's it's deer country. And the, the, the first one they said to me was, man, just encourage people to hunt with, with environmentally friendly cartridges so that they're not, you know, poisoning the, uh, poisoning the environment with lead. Mm, yeah. You go, Oh, that's like a, that's a, they're even cheaper. You know, that's a tiny change. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's very impactful. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
All right. Awesome. So let's stick around. We're going to come back here in just a minute and play our game. So, Rich, before we get into the topic and you and I chat a little bit more about our conversation, the one I had with Clayton, we kind of chatted about a couple different things. We looked at some games that inspire action, some examples of games. We looked at environmental action in gaming communities and gaming companies. What were some things that stood out to you? Well, I mean, when we talk about, right, like recycle, right? Was that our footprint, our environmental footprint? I think that's the term. You know, I also remember when we first started talking about, like as kids, what was the, you know, the message for us, which was the three R's, the reuse, reduce, recycle. And I don't know what we were just discussing. Uh, You know, I, I think there is kind of maybe too much emphasis on the recycle part and not so much on like the reduce and the reuse part. So I don't know, like, is there like some sort of community where board gamers can kind of I don't know, reuse these things or reduce some material? I know we used to play some games where, yeah, the cards were great to have in front of us, but sometimes like the electric, you know, cards would also be just as good. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's tough with the board game community because I think a lot of the psychology behind games and a lot of hobby gamers is the collection mentality. Hmm. So it's like having all these different parts and components. And I know, like you said, there are games that use apps, which are great. And I think there's more of a community in the indie game space than there is in the hobby or main market board games, because I mean, this is a whole whole different conversation about consumerism and capitalism and that <laughs> impact on the environment. But I, yeah, it's tough because, again, I, the psychology behind I think why we play board games and collect board games it depends on the person. But yeah, that's a that's a tough tough thing. But you mentioned reuse and reduce, and that's something that would be cool to see gamers i know game designers they look at games and look at ways to redesign previously built games yeah and i, I guess another point like i mean i'm i'm not a environmental expert i'm like an amateur environmentalist probably an amateur board gamer as well but i i, I thought you know his his ideas of going into like how to get people interested in the environment and you know uh make that sort of connection i think that does go a long way um what, what are your thoughts on that right i think for me growing up in nebraska and now living in california <laughs> and living in taiwan and korea and other places i kind of realized how important it is to recycle <laughs> in nebraska it's very easy to just not do it i don't know if this is the same yeah. now in omaha because i haven't lived there in a while but i know growing up you would have to enroll in the recycling program where i believe in really? a lot of other parts it's almost mandatory in the u.s um, yeah i'm also lived in taiwan it's actually amazing how like organized the recycling is japan as well and i mean like i would say the states we definitely do have some flaws with our recycling system i mean i don't know if you ever listened to i don't even know it's okay if i plug other uh, podcast it. here but the npr planet money they recently did one 
and uh, about like recycling and the environment. And yeah, it's kind of depressing in a way that like the way our system works right now, it's not <laughs> what they say it's like, right? Like uh, recycling our plastic, you know, there's some, some issues with that recycling uh, uh, cardboard, all those things. And it's, you know, what uh, we were, you guys were saying about like, there needs to be systematic change in order to change these things, I think is important. But in order to get that systematic change, I think people have to, you know, believe in global warming and climate change. And I think some of the apps and the games that he mentioned in the end probably would help with that. Right. And I think that's something that Clayton was hinting at is to do research into how recycling is handed on at a local level. I know recently we looked into Los Angeles recycling and a lot of times I believe, I mean, it's tough because I, like growing up, I have different like ideas of things in my head that may or may not be true. So <laughs> like we have a green in Omaha, we have a green recycling bin and it's still this way and it's open. So it's not like a closed lid. It's, and it's like half the size of our garbage can. So you put in recycling there and I believe if you're throwing garbage in there, the recycling man's not going to pick it up. So it's open for a reason to make sure that what's in there is recycling. Yeah. I, I think most people want to do the right thing, right? It's just, they don't know how to like, I know just recently I learned that, Oh, in order to recycle batteries, you have to go to a Best Buy to recycle them. You can't just kind of throw them into the recycling bin or, you know, you have to really clean out like your peanut butter jars in order to recycle them. Because even if there's like a little amount there, you can't recycle it. And also like, you know, what's worse for the environment, me using all that water and hot water to clean that or me just kind of throwing it out and sending it into the garbage. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's um, what something else he talked about is action related knowledge. We don't have that action related knowledge to know what are the right steps i mean in your situation i'm assuming <laughs> cleaning it out is and recycling is probably better otherwise we wouldn't have that as an option i don't know though this maybe we have to bring clayton back onto the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it would be cool to see some games like that like teaching people like what are the best you know best ways to do some sort of recycling like i know you guys talked about when you were a kid in elementary school, you said like you had a look on how much power you used or something. Yeah, yeah. So that was either. What was the point of that? Can I? Like, what? Yeah, I don't. I think again, I don't know if I'm mixing this up with the memory growing up or a lesson plan I've read on the internet recently. And essentially, you look at how much energy you use in your home on a day-to-day -day basis, and you look at what things you can reduce energy consumption by like unplugging different appliances that usually conserve energy that don't need to always be plugged in. Or I don't remember other examples, but essentially just looking at ways to limit the amount of energy consumption that you have in your household. You know, I'm thinking about it now. I think I'm pretty sure I read this in my university textbook for my Taiwan class because we have a unit on environmental action and what you can do. And I think that was one of the one of the activities in there. Yeah. And I mean, so I teach uh, economics as well. And we talk a lot about like incentives, right? Like what is an incentive that would push people to, you know, change their, you know, unplug things? Like, is it 
like I think, you know, when I go to grocery shopping, I bring my own bags. And if I bring my own bags, I get what, like five cents off. I, I don't know if that's really going to like <laughs> make most people bring in their own bags. It's do, do you see what I'm saying with that? Like the right. incentives are important, but it's not enough in our air, my particular area. Um so I wonder, like, you know, this idea of, like, you know, making gamification to help all these issues we have, I think there's definitely a case for it. But I also think that they need to, you know, the incentives need to be higher in order for, like, the incentives to actually work and for the gamification to actually work. Right. And to add a comment onto that and kind of tie it into what you mentioned is in Taiwan, you and I both live there and the incentive they had, which was a very, very, very big issue, which is crazy because it's really not, but it kind of <laughs> has to do with the, you get five cents off your groceries. You have to use state sponsored uh, garbage bags for your garbage. And then anything that you recycle, you can use any bag. So they're charging you for those state sponsored bags that's your garbage tax. So that's kind of the incentive there. But to look at that, again, you mentioned the gamification. I know I'm excited to see Clayton's research because he's looking at more a game-based learning approach where through the actions that you take, you learn about ways to preserve or protect your environment. Because I think there are a lot of, a lot of gamification things you could do with, you know, like you mentioned, um, whether you should wash out your peanut butter jar or recycle it, you could gamify that by like adding points for the correct decision, right? But how do we learn through the play process of a game? I don't know. I'm excited to see what, what Clayton comes up with for his research. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potential for that. For sure. And I want to ask you, because one thing he mentioned and one thing... I know I've seen here and there, I mentioned in Taiwan, we had a unit, an ESL unit on environmental action. So environmental vocabulary, grammar, et cetera. But it wasn't, the content wasn't as important as learning grammar points and practicing the language. But the school I worked at last year used a, or the science teacher, the last unit was on global warming and environmental action. So I'm curious to hear from you as is that a big component of curriculum in your school or schools you've worked at previously? Because in my experience, it's like a unit. So a month's worth of time, maybe two months. Um, what about you? What about you? I mean, I, I you know, maybe in the sciences, I'd imagine, I, actually, I know for sure in uh, when we talk about like globalization, things along those lines, that conversation always comes up about the environments. But I I know we talked about this a little earlier, but I don't know anybody who doesn't believe in global warming or climate change. So teaching these classes and courses, you usually start with the assumption that they already know and believe it happens. Um, I, I, I would imagine that when it comes to like younger students, like in elementary school and middle school, it's kind of just, especially middle school, just elementary school, sorry. It's like just getting used to these terms and getting used to like nature and making that type of connection to care about it. Right, right. That steward, environmental steward is important. And then also, I guess, looking at how it happens, right? The cause and effect of what we do and that impact. And again, that goes back to the reason why we should care. 
Yeah, and like you know, teaching something about like migration or something. Yeah, of, of course, there's going to be like global uh, global warming is going to cause m- more migration. So that aspect of just already knowing that global uh, global warming is happening is kind of a given in a way. Right. So we're going to move into our game and. It's called Wavelength. You said you have not played it before, but I remember you asking me if you should pick this one up or a different game. But hmm. essentially, in Wavelength, I give you a... I'm an amateur. <laughs> I give you a scale of 0 to 100. Okay. In the actual game, there's like a dial that you have to turn up or down, so they don't actually use mm-hmm. the numbers. Is it made out of plastic? Yes, it's made out of plastic. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> Going back to... But there is an online there is an online version of Wavelength. There's oh we've played it before. We played it online with everyone a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I don't remember though. I think you should explain it anyway. Well, good news. You'll listen to my explanation of the game to Clayton, and then you'll have an opportunity to play. So let's play. Clayton, we're gonna play. The game is called Wavelength, and you are going to have to guess a number. So in the game, it's not actually a number, and you're actually working cooperatively with your team. It could be a team-based game or a cooperative game, and you're playing with a dial. You're choosing where the dial should land on this scale. So the scale could be something like cold to hot, and you would turn the dial all the way to the left if you think the item is cold. So I might say, I don't know, um a freezer that can store, I don't know why this is on my mind, but the new vaccine for the coronavirus, because it has to be very cold, colder than normal refrigeration temp, normal vaccine refrigerator. So you might turn the dial all the way to the left. And then I would reveal the point of where I wanted you to put the dial in. We would see if it's correct or not. So for podcast sake, we're going to use a number system and we're going to do zero to a hundred. And so cold would be zero, hundred would be hot. And I will think of a number, and I want you to guess the number I'm thinking, showing that we're on the same wavelength. So you're going to be competing against someone on the other end. They're going to listen to this explanation too, and our range. And the range is zero. Nobody does it to 100. Everybody does it. And I'm thinking of a number. So zero is nobody does it. And 100 is everybody does it. Okay, zero is no one does it. 100 is everybody does it. Right. And so I have a number that I want you to guess, and I'm going to give you a clue, and you want to try to guess that number based on that clue. So my clue is I have two clues now based on our conversation that I I want to make sure we're on the same wavelength. So this has to do with um, we're going to do, okay, we're going to do this one. Living abroad. So nobody does it, zero to a hundred, everybody does it. Oh, man. I'd say 15. And Rich? I put eight. All right, so the number was 33. What? Whoa, really? So, that many? Geez, I don't know. I, I think I would say maybe about a third. Maybe not. Maybe that's a lot, a lot higher than I thought. I guess My, maybe that's a global statistic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just pulling a number out, so. I had two originally. <laughs> yeah. Man, so it looks like Rich, so far, as a co-host, is 0 for 2. Lost in wavelength as well. But maybe I'm just a terrible, terrible clue giver. 
and my clue is very poor. All right, Clayton, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a bit about this topic. I know I learned a lot because, again, I have no background in environmental studies, and I know a bit about games, but not environmental studies. So thank you again. And if anyone wanted to reach out to you or follow up with you about our discussion, how might they do that? Sure. I think you could. You can find me on Twitter at Clayton underscore Whittle, W-H-I-T-T-L-E. Uh, though I, I warn you in advance, it's mostly me screaming about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it, it's not a very professional Twitter. I think I think most our listeners would enjoy that. So. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you so much for having me, Dustin. This was a lot of fun. All right, Rich. So thank you again for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you on again in the future. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, that's best through Board Game with Education. Of course. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Have a good one. Again, this episode of Board Game with Education is sponsored by The World Game, a fun and educational geography board game. It's a super exciting and fast playing game for everyone. Highly recommend checking out this game on Kickstarter now. It comes with this really cool world map that includes different cards for each country with a flag and a bunch of facts. Really awesome educational resource. Something I highly recommend adding to your classroom collection or a great game to play at home. And again, that's the world game on Kickstarter. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.